Last month on Good Friday, we commemorated the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then on Easter, we celebrated His resurrection. Today, we will remember His ascension. And with that in mind, I invite you to please read our text for this morning's message. Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, four verses. Let's read that passage. And he, that is Jesus, led them, his disciples, out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. With God's help, what we will do in this message is study our text under two main headings. Here's the first one. The place from which Jesus ascended. And then secondly, the uh, people who witnessed His Ascension. So the place where Jesus ascended and the people who witnessed His ascension. So let's look at our first uh, point here. The place from which Jesus ascended, uh, which of course was Bethany. In our text, we see Jesus taking His disciples to a place near Bethany. Look at verse 50. And he led them out, that is out of Jerusalem, as far as to Bethany. In other words, Jesus took his disciples to a place near Bethany. And one commentator says, perhaps the name Bethany was given not only to the particular village, but also to the whole region round about, to which also the Mount of Olives belongs. And that's why, according to Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. Now, as you may know, Bethany is a village on the Mount of Olives. And this place, Bethany, has become an important place for Jesus. For instance, it was here that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Here also he began his triumphal entry to Jerusalem. And as we read here in our passage, from this place also he ascended into heaven. Look at verse 51. And... He was parted from them, from His disciples, and carried up into 
heaven. So here we see Jesus ascending into heaven, ascending into His Father's house from Bethany. Now, boys and girls, do you know what Bethany means? It doesn't have a good meaning. The place of Bethany means the house of misery or the house of affliction or the house of agony. And so we can say that Jesus was taken up from the house of agony, from Bethany, into the house of glory. Uh, because we know that heaven is the place of glory. Uh, one uh, Puritan uh, said, uh, Matthew Henry, one of my favorite uh, Puritan commentators, he said, and he was commenting on our text, those that would go to heaven must ascend from Bethany, must ascend from the house of suffering and sorrow. And how true that is. In fact, in a sense, we can call this world in which we live Bethany. Figuratively speaking, you and I right now are still in Bethany. We are still in the house of suffering, in the house of sorrow. We are not yet in the house of the Lord. In that sense, we are not yet in Bethel, because Bethel means the house of God. We are still in Bethany, in the house of agony. You may remember the name Ariel Castro. In 2013, he was sentenced to life imprisonment for kidnapping and torturing Three girls. Castro held these uh, uh, three girls captive in his house in Cleveland, Ohio, for more than ten years. Imagine, more than ten years. These girls were away from their families for more than ten years. And Castro's house, now demolished, became known as the house of horrors, the house of horrors. Well, again, there is a sense that you and I are living in the house of horrors. This world in which we live is filled with horrors. Uh, two weeks ago in Nigeria, known as the Christian murder capital of the world, a young college student was brutally killed by Muslim students simply because she posted an online message that read, Jesus Christ is the greatest. He helped me pass my exams. Because of that, her classmates who were Muslims killed her brutally. In fact, last year, close to 
6,000 Nigerian Christians were killed for their faith. That equates to one person martyred every two hours in Nigeria because they follow Jesus. By the time we will be done in our worship service, one Christian will be killed in Nigeria every two hours. In Afghanistan, in which it is humanly impossible to live openly as a Christian, if a Christian's new faith is discovered, their family, clan, or tribe has to save its honor by disowning the believer or even killing them. And this is widely considered to be justice. Like for Muslims, to kill a Christian is a form of justice. Alternatively, since leaving Islam is considered a sign of insanity, a Christian who has converted from Islam may be forcibly sectioned in a psychiatric hospital. Imagine that. If you become a Christian in the eyes of Muslims in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, you are crazy. You have lost your mind. And therefore, they will force you to stay in a psychiatric hospital. In North Korea, anyone caught following Jesus is at immediate risk of imprisonment, brutal torture, and death. An estimated 50 to 70,000 Christians are imprisoned right now in North Korea's notorious system of prisons and labor camps. The North Korean government views these Christians as the most dangerous political class of people. I can give you more examples to show that right now we still live in Bethany, in the house of affliction, in the house of persecution, in the house of horror. Well, some of you might say, but Pastor Brian, I don't feel like living in a house of agony, in, in, in a house of, of, of horror. After all, I live in this glorious free land as our national anthem indicates. Well, you might be right. But listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 50 verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. By the way, this is fascinating. Jesus says, remember as if Maybe you have already forgotten this. Remember, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Children of God, believers in Christ, it is only a matter of time. We will also be persecuted. Read the book of Revelation. And you will see a, a worldwide persecution of, of Christians that is yet to come. It will come. 
Those are the words of Jesus. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And yet, here's our comfort. Since Jesus ascended into heaven, we have a guarantee that He will also take us to Himself in heaven. Now remember, Jesus is our head and we are His body. Picture this, boys and girls. Right now, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth has no head, has no physical head in that sense. Because our head, our Lord and Savior ascended into heaven. We are headless right now. And yet, we know that Jesus will not be forever separated from His body, from His church. Because one day, He will come again. And that's His promise. John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, we are not going to stay in Bethany forever. We are not going to, to live in this place of agony, in this place of suffering for the rest of our life. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has given us this glorious, blessed, wonderful promise that yes, right now, He is separated from us physically, bodily. But one day, He will come again to take us to Himself so that where Jesus is, there we will be also. He is going to transport us from Bethany into Bethel, like what happened to Jesus here in our text. He was carried up into heaven from Bethany into His Father's house, into Bethel, into the house of the Lord. And as David says, there I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Are you not glad that this is not our eternal home? Are you not glad? Are we not glad that we're not going to stay here forever? I don't want to stay here forever. I don't want to live in Bethany forever. I'm glad that there is ascension. That Jesus ascended from Bethany into Bethel. Nevertheless, and please listen to this, while right now we are separated from our head, from Jesus, physically, bodily. That is to say, right now we are not with Jesus. We don't see Jesus right now. We, we, we know that He is with us because of His Spirit. 
Yes, we know that He is with us, spiritually speaking, because of the doctrine of union with Christ. And I love that doctrine, by the way. That, yes, while Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of, 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 of his, his Father, He is also with us. We are united with, with Him. And that's why, amazingly, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And, and you know the context here. He's talking about marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Now, how can you explain that? That you and your wife are one flesh. One flesh. And then listen to what Paul says in verse 32. This is a great mystery, but... I speak concerning Christ and the church. <laughs> so Paul is saying, I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. That Jesus Christ and His church, the body and the head are one. The two shall become one flesh. This is a mystery. How is that possible? Oh, through our union with Christ. That's why. Remember Paul or Saul before his conversion. On the way to Damascus, he was going to persecute the church. He was going to persecute the body of the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. He encountered Jesus in a vision. And then Jesus said to Saul in Acts chapter 9 verse 4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? No. Why are you persecuting me? And that is interesting because who is it that Paul is persecuting? The church. The church. But because the church and Jesus Christ are one, to persecute the church is to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as my head is connected to my body, you hit my head, my body will feel it. You, 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 you pinch or you do something to my body, my head will feel it too. Like, they are connected. And therefore, when you hurt the church of Jesus Christ, you are hurting Jesus Himself. And to, to our persecutors, they may not realize this. When they persecute our fellow believers in Nigeria, in, in Afghanistan, in Syria, in North Korea, in China, and even here in Canada... When they persecute us, they are actually persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ because we are one. We are one. And I love this doctrine. Because this shows how our Lord, uh, uh, how our ascended King is very much concerned with us. Sometimes we think that, well, 
I don't see Jesus. He ascended into heaven. Looks like he does not care. If he, uh, just recently, I, I, uh, I received that kind of question from, uh, from a teenager. She was questioning the, uh, the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. If, 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 she, if, if uh, Jesus was good, if he was really uh, God, why, why would he allow us to suffer? Especially Christians. Well, we can't always uh, provide an answer to that kind of question, but this is what I know. That Jesus is concerned with me. That when I get hurt, He's also hurting. That means, since you are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, even if you are right now separated from Him physically and, 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 and bodily, because spiritually you are one with Jesus. When you are hurting, Jesus is also hurting. Don't ever, ever say that Jesus does not care for you. Please. You have no idea how much Jesus cares for you. And we parents, we, we feel the same, don't we? Toward our children. How often uh, you, you hear... You hear this from uh, from parents. They they will say, "Yeah, I wish I could help my 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 son, even grandchildren. Someone who has cancer. You wish if you could take that cancer away from your grandson, right? You would do it because you don't want your grandson to suffer. You you somehow feel that the pain of of your of your child, of your grandchild or great grandchild. Now think of Jesus Christ." You think He does not care for you. He does. As one hymn writer says, does Jesus care? And then the answer in the, uh, in the uh, chorus, oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. Now let's move to my second point here. The people who witnessed the ascension of Jesus Christ. The disciples. Look at uh, verse uh, 50. And I have four observations here, by the way, about the uh, disciples uh, who, who witnessed the uh, ascension of Jesus. Here's my first observation. Look at verse 50, please, of Luke chapter 24. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. First observation. Here the disciples, as they were witnessing, as they were witnessing the ascension of their Lord and Savior, they received a priestly benediction from Jesus. Jesus lifted up his hands and he blessed his disciples. This is the great high priest blessing his own people. In uh, Leviticus chapter 9 verse 22, uh, we also see uh, Aaron uh, blessing the people of Israel. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. Perhaps Aaron was uttering the words of the uh, benediction in Numbers chapter uh, 6 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And most likely Jesus, the great high priest, the great, the greater Aaron was probably doing the same as, as He was being carried up into heaven. He, he, he was blessing His, His disciples. The Lord bless you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And you know what's amazing? Jesus did not stop blessing His disciples. Even when He reached heaven, He was still blessing them. That's why we read in verse 51, and it came to pass, look at verse 51 please, while He blessed them, or in the original, you should translate it this way, and it came to to pass as He was blessing them. He parted from them and carried up into heaven. Jesus continued to bless His disciples. What what a sight that must have been, right? Imagine if, if you were there witnessing Jesus as He was being carried up into heaven, as He was ascending. His hands still lifted up, blessing His disciples until His disciples could no longer see Him. And I have good news for you. Yes, Jesus ascended into heaven. But He still continues to bless His people. His hands, as it were, are still lifted up like this. He continues to pour out His divine benediction on His people. And one of the blessings that that we have from Jesus, as, as He is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, He is interceding for us. He is our great high priest, praying for us. And what, what, a, what a thought that is. We all struggle with prayerlessness. Someone said, if you want to embarrass a Christian, ask him or her about his or her prayer life. You want to embarrass me? Ask me about my prayer life. And if you are honest with yourself, we all struggle with prayer. When was the last time that you can honestly say, that you had this sweet communion with God. That sweet hour of prayer. Not just a minute, a second. Not just when you uh, say, say uh, thank you to God before you, you, you eat your, 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 uh, your food. Or before you go to bed. Or when you wake up. Or, or when you are in charge of maybe you are an elder. You are going to pray. But when was the last time that you yourself alone with God. That, that you, you so much enjoyed communing with God that you don't want to be disturbed. That you just wanted to just keep praying and praying and, and, and just fellowshipping with God. Sweet hour of prayer. When was the last time? We fail. We all fail. But are we not thankful to Jesus that He is praying for us? Even when you are sleeping, 
Even when you are sinning, when you are watching that pornography, when you are, when you are sinning, when you are doing something that you are not supposed to do, if you were a child of God, your Lord and Savior, the ascended King, the, the ascended High Priest is praying for you. And, and that's why we are still here. One of the reasons, if not the main reason why our perseverance is guaranteed that we will persevere until the end is because Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for us. And He does not get tired praying for you and for me. You could imagine Jesus Pleading with his father, Lord, I pray, I pray for, I pray for Johnny, I pray for, for, for Matthew, Lord, I pray for, for, for Ezekiel, Lord, I, I pray, I pray for them, I, I pray for them, Lord, they, right now they are not, they are not attending your church, right now they are not even listening to you, right now they, they don't want, want to have anything, uh, anything, uh, uh, about you, but, but Lord, I pray for them. They, they belong to me. They are my sheep. Oh, Father, please. If you're not concerned about your soul, you have Jesus concerned about your soul. Praying for you. And that's why we will persevere. Robert Murray McShane once said, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He is praying for me. You may not hear His voice, but He is praying for you. That's why you are still here. He is praying for you. And what a blessing too that every Sunday, as part of our worship service, we have... The, the benediction. We, we, we receive the benediction of God. Now, by the way, when, when, when a minister pronounces God's benediction, the benediction does not come from the minister. We cannot bless you in the same way that God can uh, bless you. That benediction comes from the Lord and you don't want to miss it. When, when the minister says, the Lord bless you and keep you, own it, own it, take it. You can say, Lord, that's me, Lord, that's me. Please bless me, Lord. I, I confess I don't deserve to be blessed by you because of my sin, all my shortcomings. But Lord, what a gracious God you are that you continue to bless me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Take that blessing. That's intended for you, child of God. So the disciples received a priestly benediction from Jesus. But in verse 52, we, we see them worshiping God. So second observation, they worshiped Jesus. Did you see that in verse 52? And they worshiped Him. Even when they could no longer see Jesus, they still worshiped Him. They, they worshipped Jesus in all His glory. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. In, in the original, the word uh, worship here, uh, proskuneo, has the idea of falling down. They, they fell down before Jesus, the ascended King. Now, that's what we do this morning. 
We don't see Jesus. Again, boys and girls, you might say this. Uh, we, we go to church and, and we worship God, but I don't see God. I don't see Jesus. Yes, because Jesus ascended into heaven. But it doesn't matter. Even if we don't see Jesus like the disciples, even when they could no longer see Jesus, they still bowed down before Jesus in worship. And we ought to do the same right now, every day actually. Every day we should be worshiping Jesus. And then verse 52, third observation, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Look at verse 52, the second part. So they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. In other words, the disciples obeyed the instruction of Jesus in verse 49. Because in verse 49, Jesus instructed them to return to Jerusalem from, from Bethany. They obeyed Jesus with great joy. Why? Why? I'll give you two reasons. First, because Jesus returned home. He returned to His Father. And here we see that the disciples, they are sharing the joy of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let, let me give you uh, an example here to help you understand uh, boys and girls, uh, let, let, let's say one of your friends, maybe your best friend, your best friend came over to your house for a week and you had so much fun just playing, playing, playing together for a week. And here came the saddest moment of that week. Your best friend had to go home. He had to leave. He had to return to his daddy and, and, and mommy. Now part of you, you, you were sad. You were sad. You, part of you, 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 you would not want to see, to see your best friend leave. But on the other hand, you, you were happy too, right? Because of course you would not want your best friend to stay in your house forever and be, be separated from his mommy and daddy. So th there was a tension there. Sad and yet happy at the same time. You, you had that great joy that your, your best friend is, is now with his parents. And, and here we see the same, the same thing. There is a tension. Of course, the disciples were sad. Jesus, their, their Lord is, is no longer with us. But on the other hand, we read here that when they returned to Jerusalem, they did so with great joy. With great joy. Because they were so happy that Jesus is now with His Father. In fact, Jesus mentions about that in John 20, verse 17. When, when He appeared to Mary Magdalene, remember that? Jesus said to her, Do not cling to Me, for I have not yet ascended to My Father. But go to My brethren and say to them, I am ascending to My Father and Your Father and to My God and Your God. The disciples shared the joy of Jesus. They find joy in whatever brings joy or delight to Jesus. Do we have the same attitude? Do we find delight in whatever brings delight to Jesus? Now, we want to do this, and if someone asks us, why, why are you doing this? Because I know that this gives joy to Jesus. 
Why are you, why, why are you serving the Lord? Why, why are you singing praises? Why, why are you attending this church? Just go home and sleep and take, uh, take, take a nap or what? You don't need to serve the Lord. Why, why waste your time for this church? Why are you doing that? And we can say, because I know that this brings joy to Jesus. And I want, I want to bring joy to Jesus. Now, second, second reason too why they, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, they knew, the disciples knew that they would see Jesus again. They would see Jesus again. Different, different, uh, uh, attitude or, or, uh, spirit that we, we, we see here. When, when Jesus died, the disciples came back just sad. <laughs> they were sad. As if like they, they, they lost everything. They lost their hope. Our master is dead. Now Jesus of course told them that he would, uh, rise up from the dead, but somehow they, they didn't really believe that. But now, they did not question the return of Jesus Christ. And so we read in Acts chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The disciples believed this. And so when they returned to Jerusalem, they did so with great joy. Because they knew they were going to see him again. My question is this. Are you with great joy right now? Because you know that someday you're going to see Jesus again. It's like, again, boys and girls. So your friend... Before he left, he made a promise to you. My best friend, my body, take my words. I'm going to return to your house again. So that we will be together again. And that brings you joy. You take that promise. You believe this. That promise. Now, he did not tell you when. It depends upon his, his parents for sure. But you know that he's coming again to play with you. And he said, this time, I think I'm going to spend... Not just one week, maybe one month, longer. Now, of course, with Jesus, we don't know when He's going to return. But His promise is when He returns, He is going to be with us forever. Not just for a week, for a month, but for eternity. And that's why, and this is my, my uh, final observation, the disciples, they continued to praise God. Verse 53, the last verse. And so they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Wow! They were praising. And in and, and this context, to, to praise is to speak of the excellence of, of Jesus, 
to extol Him, to, to say, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord, <laughs> the, to, to, to say that the name of Jesus is, is excellent, that, that He is altogether lovely, that, that Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You, you speak of His excellence. And they also, they also blessed Jesus. They blessed God. They were blessed by God, and now they were blessing God. Now, in this context, to, to bless, uh, it actually comes from the uh, Greek word eulogeo, uh, from which we get the English word uh, eulogy. What is a eulogy? A eulogy is, is a speech that praises someone who has, who has just died. Now, of course, in this context, they are not praising God because Jesus has just died. They are praising God because He just ascended into heaven and they know that He is coming again. And, 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 and when we worship God, we do the same. When we bless the Lord, we, we are, we are, we are, uh, giving a, a, a praise to, to Jesus who has ascended into heaven. And mind you, they are doing this continually. Constantly, regularly. George uh, Campbell Morgan, mentor of Martin Lloyd-Jones, once said, To me, the second coming is the uh, perpetual light on the path which makes the present bearable. I never lay my head on my pillow without thinking that maybe before morning breaks, the final morning may have dawned. I never begin my work without thinking that perhaps he may interrupt my work and begin his own. This is now his word to all believing souls till he comes. The ascended king will come again. Are you ready to meet Him? Are you prepared to see Jesus? You know, for us believers, the second coming of Jesus is, is just going to be wonderful. I have no words to express what, what joy we we will experience at that moment when we see Jesus face to face. But I also have no words to express the horror that the unbelievers, the wicked, the ungodly will experience at the return of Jesus Christ. As R.C. Sproul said, Christians get excited about the return of Jesus. Oh, happy day. Yes, it is a happy day for the saved. But for the unsaved, the return of Jesus is the worst of all conceivable calamities. Jesus said He would die, He died. Jesus said He would rise from the dead, He did. Jesus said He would, he would ascend into heaven, He did. Jesus said, I will come again. Do you think He will fail this time now? Do you think He will not come? If He fulfilled all His promises, 
Do we really take His promise seriously when, when Jesus says, I will come again soon, shortly. I will come again to receive you to Myself. That where you are, there I, that where I am, there you may be also. Do we actually believe this? Because if we do, this ought to transform the way we live. If we really believe that the ascended Jesus will come again someday, this should shape our spiritual life. This, this should change our attitude toward, toward what we're, we're, we're seeing right now in this world. The way we look at the, the world events, this should change us. And if it doesn't, something is wrong. And so again, I ask you with love, are you prepared to meet Jesus? He will come. He will come. Let us pray. Lord, we, we thank you for the ascension that we could celebrate that Jesus ascended into heaven to minister to us from heaven through His intercessory work. And we also thank You for His promise to return that one day He will come again. Oh Lord, help us to be always ready because we don't know when He will come. And we're seeing now all the signs of His return. May Jesus find us faithful. May we double time. Oh, indeed, time is of the essence. May we not waste time. May we serve Him with all our heart, mind, and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.